the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remembering one of history's darkest days. 20 years ago, we all found in different ways, in different places, but all at the same moment, that our lives would be changed forever. Risking the wrath of the Taliban in Afghanistan. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, September 13th. I'm Rich Thomason. The weekend dominated by memories of the tragic events of 20 years ago as America and the world mourned the loss of those who died in the 9-11 terror attacks. Three presidents among those gathered at a somber ceremony at New York's Ground Zero. Biden, Obama, and Clinton stood side-by-side somberly at the National September 11 Memorial. The president left the speaking to family members like Mike Lowe, who lost his daughter Sarah, a flight attendant, on one of the hijacked planes. I find sustenance and a continuing appreciation for all of those who rose to be more than ordinary people. Another speaker, Springsteen, who performed I'll See You in My Dreams. We God bless our fallen brothers. And sisters, I'll see you in my dream when all our summers have come to an end. Most of the almost 3,000 people that died on 9-11 were in New York. At Ground Zero, I'm Julie Walker. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin saying we must never forget, and those born after 9-11 must be taught. Austin spoke at a Pentagon ceremony marking the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. He noted that almost a quarter of the U.S. population was born after 9-11. He said that as the years march on, it's important that all Americans understand the significance of that day. It is our responsibility to remember. And it is our duty to defend democracy. Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley also spoke at the Pentagon, saying those who died on 9-11 believed in the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Their legacy lives on in the idea that is America. And no terrorist anywhere on earth can ever destroy that idea. 184 people died at the Pentagon on 9-11. Mike Hemp in Washington. George W. Bush was president at the time of the attacks at the Flight 93 crash site, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. He offered some of his personal recollections. The world was loud with carnage and sirens, and then quiet with missing voices that would never be heard again. There was horror at the scale of destruction and awe at the bravery and kindness that rose to meet it. There was shock at the audacity of evil and gratitude for the heroism and decency that opposed it. In the sacrifice of the first responders, in the mutual aid of strangers, in the solidarity of grief and grace, the actions of an enemy revealed the spirit of a people, and we were proud of our wounded nation. It would be a mistake to idealize the experience of those terrible events. All that many people could initially see was the brute randomness of death. All that many could feel was unearned suffering 
All that many could hear was God's terrible silence. There are many who still struggle with a lonely pain that cuts deep within. In those fateful hours, we learned other lessons as well. We saw that Americans were vulnerable, but not fragile. That they possess a core of strength that survives the worst that life can bring. We learned that bravery is more common than we imagined, emerging with sudden splendor in the face of death. We vividly felt how every hour with our loved ones was a temporary and holy gift, and we found that even the longest days end. Our 43rd president saying that terrorism is not just a threat from without. We have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf saying the 9-11 memorial near Shanksville stands as a stark reminder of what it means to be an American. In times of strife, we Americans... We come together. We comfort each other. We protect each other. And we stand up for each other. Some of those who lost family on Flight 93, thankful their loved ones are not forgotten all these years later. I don't have any opinion one way or the other of who's here or, or what their what their agenda is or how they're going to speak. I think it's good that they are here. I think that I think paying tribute is is appropriate and, and it's good to see them. Former President Trump saying that those directly affected by the attacks deserve the compensation they have received from the government, adding the Biden administration should not be trying to take credit for it. You know, I was responsible for getting a lot of money, billions of dollars for the victims. You remember the signing I had with the police department, the fire department and many others. That was on my watch. I saw they they were talking about it today, but they had nothing to do with it. I had. And it wasn't only in the U.S. Correspondent Charles Deladesma in London says 9-11 commemorations also took place in the U.K. America's national anthem is played at Britain's Windsor Castle as a ceremony commemorating 20 years since the September 11 attacks is held. 67 British nationals were among those killed after hijacked planes crashed into New York's World Trade Center, the Pentagon in Washington, and a field in Pennsylvania. In addition, the British Queen has marked the anniversary by offering her sympathies to the victims, survivors, and families affected by the atrocity. Meanwhile, the head of Britain's domestic intelligence service warns that Afghanistan could again become a hotbed for terrorist plots, just as it was two decades ago. MI5 Director General Ken McCallum believes the Taliban has heartened and emboldened extremists and could lead to the return of major al-Qaeda-style attack plots against the West. McCallum adds Britain could face more risk because of the withdrawal of NATO troops and the overthrow of the Afghan government. In a rare interview with the BBC, he says nations must be vigilant, both for the increase in inspired terrorism, which has become a trend over the past five to ten years, alongside the potential regrowth of al-Qaeda-style directed plots. During a weekend visit to Shanksville, President Biden defended the way he withdrew U.S. troops from Afghanistan despite the chaos that ensued. If you had told anybody that we were going to spend 
300 million bucks a day for 20 years to try to unite the country after we got bin Laden, after Al-Qaeda was wiped out there. Can Al-Qaeda come back? Yeah, but guess what? It's already back other places. What's the strategy? Every place where Al-Qaeda is, we're going to invade and have troops stay there? Come on. But former President Trump rails against the way his successor handled the troop pullout. And I watched the speeches and not one person spoke about the fact that three days ago we fled Afghanistan and we left $85 billion worth of the best equipment ever made. Much of it that I bought, they left it behind. Why would they leave it behind? Mr. Trump says the abrupt pullout opened the way for the Taliban to take charge yet again in Afghanistan. We could have stayed there for one month or three years. They weren't going to be able to do anything, but they left. And when they left, there was a vacuum. And then they came in and filled the vacuum. Mr. Trump comparing his administration's ability to keep the troops safe in Afghanistan to what he says is the Biden administration's inability to keep Americans safe on the streets of their own cities. And so we didn't lose one soldier in 18 months. And yet you look at these cities, and that's in Afghanistan. And yet you look at these cities where 88 people were shot in Chicago over a week. 88 people were shot. And many people died. And the same thing here. And the former president claims the military would have preferred to leave Afghanistan after every last civilian was home safe. And whoever thought of this, a five-year-old would have said the military goes out last. And that's what they wanted. They couldn't believe they were leaving. So it was gross incompetence. And I hate to talk about it on this day, but people are saying, why are they talking about what we did? The Wall Street Journal reports the Taliban allowed more than 100 Americans, Canadians, Brits, U.S. permanent residents, and others to fly out of Afghanistan on Thursday and Friday. Washington Post Afghanistan and Pakistan Bureau Chief Susanna George, speaking with the Salem Radio Network's Hugh Hewitt from Kabul, says that some Afghans are risking life and limb in defiance of the Taliban. Over the past week or so of um, protests, many led by women demanding their rights and pushing back against Taliban rule in the country. Resulting in at least a partial concession from the Taliban. The Taliban have announced that women in Afghanistan will be allowed to continue to study in universities, but with segregated classrooms and Islamic dress as compulsory measures. The announcement came as Qatar's foreign minister arrived in Kabul, the highest profile visitor since the Taliban announced their new interim cabinet. The Minister for Higher Education, Abdul Baki Hakani, unveiled the new policies to the media a few days after a new all-male government was formed. Any female students who continues their studies with Islamic hijab, the Islamic Emirate has no problem with them. The world has been watching closely to see to what extent the Taliban might act differently from their first time in power in the late 1990s. During that era, girls and women were denied an education and were excluded from public life. I'm Karen Chamas. Washington Post correspondent George notes that a few chartered flights have been successfully evacuating some. She speculates the trickle of evacuees could become a steady stream in the days ahead. The Qataris who I've spoken to who are helping organize this effort say they hope that this is going to become a regular occurrence and that international commercial flights will start up in just a few days and these chartered planes won't be necessary anymore. Hugh Hewitt asking if there are any American passport holders who are just too afraid to try to leave. Yep, 
I know a lot of people who are too scared to leave their homes right now. I know that there are some people who are, you know, on this list to be evacuated who are, are not um, getting the um, right information from the State Department who've been waiting for weeks now to get the green light to come to a certain place uh, where they can then board buses and go to the airport in a secure convoy that's coordinated with the Taliban so that they have safe passage. I know I know a lot of people who um, are on those lists, but they're too scared to leave their homes without 100% assurance that they will be quickly moved out of the country after leaving their homes because just stepping out onto the street they feel like it's too big of a risk right now. And despite what the State Department might say, Hugh believes there are more waiting to leave than the government admits. I don't think that's a handful. I don't think they're in contact with everyone. What is your degree of confidence of states' full grasp of the situation of the Americans who hold passports on the ground in Kabul and throughout the country, by the way, Herat, Kandahar, etc.? What I can tell you is that from the people who I've spoken to, and again, you know, this is anecdotal evidence, I have not spoken to every single American passport holder who's still in Afghanistan. From what I've heard from speaking to people is that it's really hit or miss. Uh, Some people have, you know, they'll receive a call that the information will be incomplete about where to go. Um, other people haven't received a call at all, even though they've submitted all of their information and supposedly are on a list. From what I've heard, it does not sound like a very well-oiled machine. What I do know is that these continued efforts to get Americans out of the country are ongoing. They are getting a lot of attention from officials in Washington, D.C., all the way up to the highest levels, and they remain a top priority The execution has just uh, not been uh, what what a lot of people had hoped. So where does Afghanistan go from here? Daybreak Insider's Eric Cudd says that is indeed the question. Axios says the Biden administration's over-the-horizon strategy in Afghanistan is drawing serious questions from lawmakers and counterterrorism experts as the U.S. withdrawal shifts calculations about threats and capabilities. Secretary of State Antony Blinken set to testify this week before House and Senate committees which could mean more public questions. Critics tell Axios that Biden and his team have yet to provide sufficiently detailed plans or explanations about their counterterrorism strategy to lawmakers conducting oversight. The so-called over-the-horizon capabilities Biden has repeatedly touted make identifying and striking terrorists with aerial surveillance and drones launched from outside the country the linchpin of America's post-withdrawal counterterrorism strategy. Some experts warn relying solely on such capabilities in the conditions that exist currently has never been done. In every country where the U.S. has deployed elements of an over-the-horizon strategy like Yemen, Somalia, Iraq, and Syria, it had an intelligence network, a nearby air base, and some form of local partner on the ground. In Taliban-controlled Afghanistan, the CIA has evacuated its sources. The nearest air bases are in the Gulf, and the local security partner is an FBI-wanted terrorist. President Biden, wading into California's recall election, hopes to keep the embattled governor from being given the boot. Daybreak Insider White House correspondent 
Greg Cluxton. The president will be making an 11th hour campaign appearance to boost Governor Gavin Newsom before the recall voting ends on Tuesday. He's the last of a string of prominent Democrats who have traveled to California on behalf of the embattled governor. Last week, Vice President Harris campaigned alongside Newsom. The president's trip underscores the importance of his party maintaining the governorship in the nation's most populous state. Activist and actress Rose McGowan has come out for Republican Larry Elder. I want to hear that the more we micro-label each other, the better we'll be. The reality is, today, I challenge this state, I challenge these voters, I challenge the media. Back up. Be human first. Vote for humanity. Might be a policy wonk. Might not say the same things the way you would do. And might not articulate them in a way that we're used to. But it doesn't make him bad, and it doesn't make him wrong, and it does mean that he's dedicated his life to thinking differently and wanting more. Is that so bad? I think not. So let's bring on some hope. Let's truly, if you really want to get past racial barriers, be fair in coverage. Be honest. I believe in California. I believe you can be better. McGowan's endorsement of Elder comes after she accused Governor Newsom's wife of trying to keep her allegations against disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein quiet. McGowan calls Elder the better candidate and the better man. She accuses the Democrat Party of behaving like a cult. Traveled the world and I've had so many people say to me, Americans are the most uneducated. Not wrong, but they are wrong in this. It's undereducated. It's systematic and it's done to you all on purpose to keep you part of a complicity machine that benefits few. This is not a country or a state for everyone. This is a country for the few. I've met so many good people in this country. Not the elites. Absolutely not. But the person I meet, you know, that's the housekeeper at the hotel I'm staying at, um, who shouldn't even have that title because she's a queen of a woman. And then we have the Jennifer Siebel Newsoms of the world. Why? Why do you keep choosing that? Why do you keep electing that? Don't listen to their buzzwords, cult leaders, which is what these people are. I would know I grew up in one, like I said. They massage your mind. They keep you in fear. They keep you in doubt. I kind of suspect on the inside that this is all a lie, but I don't want to be the one that stands out and takes it on the chin. Well, I'm here to confirm for you it is a lie. As Elder and dozens of others look to unseat Newsom in Tuesday's recall, some recent polls have Democrat Newsom with a comfortable lead in deep blue California. Finally this morning, Daybreak Insider's Eric Cudd says Democrats' proposed multi-trillion dollar spending blitz would have to be paid for somehow, and it looks like tax hikes would cover at least part of the cost. The Wall Street Journal outlines a new plan the Democrats have for spending more than $3 trillion. The legislation is set to be aided by an increase in the corporate tax rate. The Journal says the rate could jump from 21 to 26.5%. The Hill writes House Democrats are also eyeing an increase in the top capital gains rate from 20 to 25%, significantly less of an increase than what Biden originally proposed. They're considering raising the top individual income tax rate from 37 to 39.6%, while also imposing a 3 percentage point surtax for those with incomes above $5 million. Democrats are proposing a host of other tax increases as well, including limiting a deduction for non-corporate business income, estate tax changes, increased tobacco taxes, and increasing a minimum tax on corporations' foreign earnings. This all according to a document circulated Sunday obtained by The Hill. 
The document gives a preliminary estimate that the tax ideas in total, along with savings from drug price changes, would raise about $2.9 trillion in revenue. The document says the $3.5 trillion in spending would be fully offset after also accounting for $600 billion generated by economic growth. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Join us again tomorrow. I'm Rich Thomason. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.